we're going to start a series and we decided to hold off and start it this week because we it's a five-part series and we wanted all of you to get to be a part of that and it's it's a series that discusses uh, what we call the five e's and this is the mission and purpose statement of our church it's what we it's what we have embraced and it's what everything we do is about uh, everything we everything that we do uh, we gauge it by these and uh, one of those is that we're going to exalt we're going to exalt Christ in everything we do, and we call that our worship aspect of the five E's, exalting Christ in all that we do. And we couldn't think of anybody better this morning to tell us about how we worship than the fellow that leads us in worship. And uh, we appreciate Neil and his team so much. Neil is an awesome preacher and teacher and a communicator, always creative. We appreciate his ministry. And I'm going to ask him to come this morning, and he's going to teach us today on how it is that we exalt or worship the Lord and what that means in this body of believers. So if you would, put your hands together and make Neil welcome to the pulpit today. Appreciate you. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear about it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us what? Exalt his name together. As Pastor just got through saying, uh, we're starting our series this morning on the five E's, which is our central purpose of ministry here at Trinity Fellowship. And if you've never heard the five E's, let me read them to you real quick. To encourage godly relationships through our daily lives, it's fellowship. To equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts, that's ministry. To educate believers to follow Christ, that's discipleship. To evangelize the lost with the message of Christ, which is evangelism. And then exalt Christ in everything we do, which is our worship. This pastor just got through saying, before I get into this message, uh, I just want to say thank you, pastor, for allowing me to, to preach this morning. It is Always such an honor to get to stand behind this sacred desk and and uh, bring the word. Uh, and I just want to say a special thanks uh, to my worship team, uh, to the people who really are um, the they're they're the people that I love to work with. They're the people that make my job look good. Uh, I, I kind of have a philosophy of ministry to surround yourself with people who do what you do a whole lot better, so that they can cover up all the mistakes that you make. Hello. And that's, uh, that's what I feel like I do. And, uh, man, I got just such the best people uh, to work with. They're here all the time, uh, give a lot of their time. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of the uh, not only the worship team, but the people who run the lights and the uh, computer. Really the only time that those people get any acknowledgement is when things go wrong and everybody starts looking back at them to, what'd you mess up back there? But seriously, thank you guys so much. So let's get into the word this morning. Uh, preaching about worship something that I've done a couple of times in my life, led a little worship. Exalting Christ, though, in everything we do as a part of our worship, that's our focus this morning. If we were to stop and, and examine our lives this morning, how much of our lives could we say exalted the Lord? What percentage of the things that we do in our daily life could we really say exalted the Lord? The word exalt means this, to raise and rank honor, power, character, quality, etc., to elevate, to praise, to extol. So let's ask the, the question better this way. Do the things that you do on a daily basis, do they raise Christ up? Do they bring him honor? Do your daily actions prove his power? Do they constitute his character? Do they, quali do they quantify his qualities? 
when people look at your life, can they tell that you take time to elevate, to raise up, to spend time in his presence, to praise him for his mighty acts? My prayer today is this, is that when people look at this church, when they see Trinity Fellowship, this body of believers, I pray that they would see us doing and being and living these things, truly exalting the Lord in everything that we do. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There are a lot of scriptures when, when pastor uh, asked me to preach this message, my mind just began to run through all the scriptures that I could preach on this morning about worship. We could talk about worship, how uh, they sent the army out or the, the praise team out before the army and they begin to sing and worship and uh, the army turned on themselves and ended up killing all each other. We could talk about that. There's so many uh, things in the Bible that we could focus on worship this morning, but I want to take a different look at worship and how it really pertains to this body, seeing as this is our five E's. Uh, I want to talk about our corporate worship together, along with some other things. So corporate worship, listen to this. As, as your worship pastor, I want you to know that it is my heart that every time that we come into this place, that we see God do something miraculous. Every time we come into this place and we meet and we gather, I don't want it just to be another service. I don't want to just come to another service where we get up here and we do our four songs and, and somebody gets up here and preaches and then we, we have a, a little altar time. I want it to be so much more than that. And where it becomes more than that starts in the worship. It starts in the worship. My goal is not to keep you entertained with good music. And I'm telling you, we got the best of the best musicians in this church it's my goal is not to get up here and, and play you some good sound of music. You can go anywhere and hear that. My goal is not to put on a, a light show for you. My goal is not to, uh, to, to just entertain you and make you go, wow, that was really good today. My goal is to bring you into the very holy of holy so that you can connect with Jesus Christ so that you can just for a moment forget about everything else that's going on in your life and you can soak up and you can soak in his presence. Worship is what ushers in the presence of God. Worship is what sets the atmosphere for God to do the impossible. Worship is where we connect with God Almighty and we pour out our praise. We pour out our love on him. Worship to me is, is just that. It is an outward expression of an inner praise and love for my Savior. I want us this morning to focus on three examples of how we at Trinity Fellowship can exalt and worship the Lord. The first one is this. We exalt Christ in our worship, in a corporate worship. To worship is to experience reality, to touch life. It is to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of a gathered community. Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. That's a quote by Richard Foster. The English word worship is derived from an old English word, worthship, worthship. The word describes actions and attitude that esteem and honor the worthiness of God and express awe and adoration to him. Christian worship involves Jesus's followers appropriately responding to God's character and presence by expressing gratitude for who he is and what he has done for us. Sincere worship requires a faith commitment 
and an admission that God is the all-powerful creator of heaven and earth. It is acknowledging that he is the Lord, the leader, the ultimate authority in our lives. We were created to exalt and worship God. Do you believe that this morning? We were created for that very purpose, to exalt and to worship God. Now, have you ever been in a worship service and and just kind of watched people worship? Anybody ever done that? Just You kind of look around. I mean, it's... When you're sitting beside people and you're, you start watching, there are a lot of different responses when people come into the presence of God. There are a lot of different expressions that people use to express their praise and their worship. But you see a lot of, of different things in the church. And, uh, and I think a lot of people sometimes wonder why we do these things. Why do we lift our hands? Why do we sing? Why do we stand when we sing? Why, why do we clap? Why do we shout? Why do we dance? Why do we do all these things? And, and let's take a look at what the Bible says about the many different types of true and sincere worship that can take many forms. They're singing Ephesians four eighteen through 19. Do not be drunk with wine in which is uh, dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Playing instruments, playing music, praise the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. And let me tell you something. We were having this discussion the other day, and I'm not uh, in any way uh, trying to point out any other particular denomination, but we were talking about people's beliefs and, and some denominations that don't believe in having music in their church. And when I was growing up, I had several friends that, that we would talk about this issue a lot of why we had drums and pianos and people singing with mics and guitars and, and all this stuff. And, and it hit me one day, and I asked them the question, why would God... Give me a talent that I can't use in his own house. Why would God give me the ability to play and to sing music if I can't use it in his own house? I'm telling you, I'm going to use every gift that God gives me to give him praise. I'm going to use every gift and ability that he gives me to give back to him so that he receives the glory. Don't tell me I can't bring my little keyboard in here and play before the Lord. I'm telling you, God, if God has given you a talent, don't be afraid to use it in his own house as long as it's appropriate. Hello. So we have playing instruments, playing music. We have bowing down, Psalms 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Standing, Exodus 33, 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. Dancing, we all know this one, Second Samuel, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, clapping and shouting, Psalms 47, 1, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Raising our hands, Psalms 134, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. There's kneeling, uh, the story when Daniel would kneel before the Lord, I'm not going to take the time to read all this. Walking and leaping, he jumped to his feet and began to walk and with, uh, went with them to the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. Lying face down or flat on the ground, Revelation 5, 14, then the four living creatures said, amen. 
man and the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. As long as these expressions are appropriate to the particular situations and are sincere responses to an awareness of God's presence, they are acceptable to God. But I'll tell you one that is not an expression of worship. Spectating is not an expression of worship. Looking around and watching other people worship is not an expression of worship. There is a whole lot more to worship than just singing songs. There's a whole lot more to coming in this place and, and thinking that we're just going to sing a couple of songs and, and we'll, we'll raise our hands every once in a while. We'll clap after the song is over. There's a whole lot more to that. And, and why is that important? Why is it important for me to talk about this? Because I believe it is important for you to know that there is freedom in this house to express your praise to God. There is freedom in this church. I, you know, even though our, it's not plastered everywhere, we are assemblies of God, which means we are Pentecostal and we come from a long line of people that shout, that dance, that run, that sing at the top of their lungs because they have a praise on the inside of them that just wants to come out. It's an inner praise and an an expression of what is on the inside of you that longs to come out and worship your creator. It's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to shout. It's okay to dance. It's okay to come and kneel and lay on your face before the Lord. If that is a true and sincere expression of your worship. It's okay, man. It's okay. I long for the day that in our worship, people don't feel like they have to be confined to their seats. If you want to walk around at the, at the back and, and, and pray and worship while we're in worship, do it. If you want to come down to these altars in the middle of praise and worship, do it as long as it's appropriate and as long as it does not distract from what God is trying to do. It is an acceptable thing to express your praise to God. But I'm telling you, friend, when, it, when it's not for the right reasons, people know it. When, when you are all about somebody seeing you praise and you have to be up in front of somebody so somebody can watch you praise, people know it. People know the difference between genuine praise and a let's put on a show, let's get the biggest banner we can find and stand in the very front so when we wave it, nobody can see the pulpit. Nobody can see the stage. I've been in services like that where you literally can hear the banner flying through the air like a huge flag outside of a store or something like that. I'm like, man... They're just down there taking out people right and left with that thing. The sister's down there with the skipping on her leg, hopping around. I'm telling you, I've seen some stuff. He had to go in these churches and hide every tambourine they had because nobody could keep beat. I'm telling you, some, some of you know what I'm talking about. We, the, the tambourines were sitting right next to the fans, you know, that had the picture of Jesus on them that creeped everybody out. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I, I know about old school church. <laughs> Come on. Hello. Somebody just give me one of these. Hello. Hello. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. People know when it's real. People know when it's genuine. They know when it's fake. But your worship, when when it's very sincere and it's heartfelt, it encourages people. You can encourage people by the way you express your praise to God. You can encourage people when they, when they see you lifting your hands and they see tears running down your face because you are connecting with Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of a story, not a story, but a lady that I saw one time in Russellville. And it was on an all-state choir trip, and, and we begin to, uh, we open the service with praise and worship. 
and I've, I've really never seen anything like this, but this lady uh, just kind of walked out of the aisle. And if you've ever been to Russellville, it's a kind of like a half circle uh, in their sanctuary. And this woman began to dance in a way that I've, I've never seen. I don't know what, what they would label that, but I mean, she literally would, was just, she would go frontwards and then backwards and then kind of all around. And it was like, she was just dancing around people. And, and at first to see that you're like, what is that woman that lost her mind? Like, I mean, it, it was, it was strange. I'm not going to lie to you. It's very strange. And, and so I, I, I was watching that and all the kids were watching this. And so we, we were talking about it after service and somebody happened to know who that lady was and said, man, let me tell you why she does that. Every time, every, every time the music is being played, every time that worship starts, this woman dances and she praises like that the entire time and said, uh, several years ago, this woman was an atheist, didn't believe in God. She got cancer. They diagnosed her with terminal cancer that was inoperable. Uh, the doctors said, there's nothing we can do. You're basically going to die in a couple months. She just happened to go by Russellville First Assembly. She stopped and asked uh, the pastor, Ronnie Morris, to pray for her, and God healed her, completely healed her of cancer. And so every time the music is played because of she knows what God did in her life, she dances before the Lord, and she gives her praise. She gives everything she's got in those several moments of praise and worship. I'm reminded of, of Randy and Olga, our Hispanic pastor's, at their, their baby son's funeral. I will never forget this as long as I live. They asked me to sing the song, I will praise you through the storm. And as I begin to sing that chorus, I'll praise you through the storm, I will lift my hands. Both of them stood up and they lifted their hands. Here's their baby laying in a casket. And they stand up and begin to worship the Lord, saying, I will praise you through this storm. I'm telling you, people know when it's fake, but when it's sincere, you can actually bless people by them seeing you praise. And them, you are, you're encouraging their faith when they watch you worship, when it comes from a place that is sincere, that is real, that you are praising him in spirit and in truth. But let me tell you something, friend. I preached a message uh, about talking about the lepers and only one came back to give God praise. And, and this reminded me of that. When I watched that lady dance, the, the phrase out of this sermon came to me, don't ever judge somebody's breakthrough until you've seen their been through. Don't ever judge somebody by their worship and the way that they respond to him unless you know why they're doing that. Because as sure as I was watching that woman dance all around, I mean, I'm talking about she was doing this old school stuff right here. And you kind of look at that, you're like, man, that's funny. God completely healed that woman of cancer. She has every right to jump up and down and shout and praise him. If she wants to dance, let the woman dance. I'm telling you, you can encourage people by your praise when it's real, when it's sincere. Nothing about true worship, about sincere worship is self-centered. Worship is moving from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. And for anybody who has to have worship just right before you can lift your hands and before you can really begin to get in it, and if, if the music is not right, if they're not playing this particular song, or if the lights are too low, if they're too high, if the sound is too low, if it's too up, I'm telling you, you have missed the whole concept of worship. You've missed it. You have missed the entire concept of worship when you sit around and say, well, if they would have just sang this song. I've heard people before talk about, well, I'm glad they got rid of that worship pastor. He never sang songs I liked. You've missed it. You have missed worship. Worship is not about you. Worship is not about catering to a style. Worship is not a style. 
You can't tell me that singing a, a, a particular style will usher in the presence of God more than anything else. No, what ushers in the presence of God is sincere worship that comes from a heart that longs to see Christ high and lifted up above everything else. That, my friend, is what ushers in the presence of God. It's not a style. God, forgive me if I ever get into the habit of picking songs that I know people like. God, forgive me if I ever pick songs that, ooh, I know this one will get them fired up right here. Now, every once in a while, you can do that. If you're wanting to just have a good old shout, I, I mean, you could get over here and play when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me. You know, somebody will dance, somebody will shout, and that's okay. But I'm telling you, I, I promise you this, you have my word. I never pick out songs that I think people are going to like. That is not my goal. I pick out songs that I, I believe and I pray over that I believe will lead us into his presence. Song like we sang today, we're talking about his holiness. Pastor did such a beautiful job talking about what, it, what it's like when we begin to sing about the attributes and about God's character. When we begin to lift him up, I'm telling you, something happens. That is what ushers in the presence of God. And let me address this real quick. Some people wonder why we use lights and why we we do the things that we do that doesn't usher in the presence of God either having lights, having smoke, having all these cool things. That is not the presence of God, but what that does. And I believe this is it enhances our worship. And just like, just like I talked about being able to use your gifts and talents behind a piano or, or playing a guitar, these people that are gifted and talented to run media and to put colors together, I'm going to let them use that for the glory of God. I'm going to let them use that for the glory of God. And so, and I, I'll tell you this, if you don't like the stage and you don't like the colors, if your eyes were closed in worship, you wouldn't know what was going on anyway. Hello. I'm telling you, worship is not about you. And when we get off this whole thing, and, and we don't have a problem at this church. I'm telling you, I hear stories from all over about worship pastors that just go through hell. I'll just say it what it is. They, they go through this stuff at their church because people don't like what they're singing. People don't like what they're doing. I'm telling you, a church that does that has missed the whole idea of why God created them. Because it's not about us in our worship it's not about me. It's not about you. It is about us coming together as a body of Christ, as Trinity Fellowship, saying, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're praising the same God. Let's lift our voice. Let's lift our hands together. Let's shout. Let's dance because of what God has done for us. The whole point of worship is to exalt his name and magnify him, make his greatness known. But the thing is about worship, it's not about us at all. But when we worship in spirit and in truth, we get the benefits. When we worship in spirit and in truth, it's not about us. It's not for our glory. It's for his. But God in all of his goodness gives us the benefit of worshiping him. This is what he says. When we worship him, he promises to be with us. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be with him. He promises to guide and surround us with his glory. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down, praying, which is also an expression of worship. Uh, when he got through praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I'm telling you, that's my prayer. Every time we come into this place, that the glory of the Lord would fill this temple. 
He promises to shower us with blessings. Ezekiel says, I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will call showers to come down in their season. There will be showers of blessings. He says he'll give us peace. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace to give us overflowing joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. He promises to freshly fill us with the Holy Spirit, with the boldness to live for Christ and tell others about him when they had prayed the place where they were were assembled together was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoken or they spoke the word of god with boldness that's the kind of church that i want to go to that's the kind of church that i i want to be a part of that sees these things on a weekly basis that heaven opens up and comes down in this place as we lift our voice in praise to him let it be said of us at this church that we will worship, that we will praise, that we will magnify, that we will exalt Christ in our worship. But when the worship stops, when the music has stopped, and we walk out of this place, that's where exalting him in everything we do comes into play. I said it a while ago, worship is a whole lot more than singing. When it's done, when you're done singing the songs, your worship shouldn't stop there. When the song ends, your worship shouldn't stop there. A.W. Tozer said this, if you will not worship God seven days a week, you won't worship him one day a week. If you won't worship God seven days a week, you're not going to come and worship him one day a week. If you're going to exalt Christ, if we are going to exalt Christ in everything we do, it has to go beyond just a worship service that is in this, in this room, and it has to go to worship and exalting the Lord, and it must become a lifestyle. We exalt Christ in our worship. We exalt Christ in our lifestyle. I remember the first time I ever heard the phrase, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. I heard that in my youth group growing up, Jason Forte, my youth pastor at the time, said that phrase, and I, and I never forgot it. Worship is a lifestyle. Stanley Horton says this, we must realize that true godly worship is not simply an activity in a church service. It involves much more than singing or even speaking words of praise to God. Authentic Christian worship involves a lifestyle that brings honor to Christ in words and actions. It is not necessarily a great sacrifice to voice our worship in a church service where people are gathered for that very purpose. Worship becomes a true sacrifice when we take it outside the church by living in a way that truly honors, exalts, and brings positive attention to God. Let me read this statement again. It is not necessarily a great sacrifice to voice our worship to God in a church service where people are gathered for that very purpose. Can it really be a sacrifice of praise if it costs us nothing? Can it be a sacrifice of praise if it costs us nothing? I'm reminded in the, of the story in 2 Samuel where Gad went and told David, I want you to build an altar on the threshing floor of uh, Arunah, the, the Jebusite. And David told Arunah, he said, uh, I want to I buy this, uh, some cattle. I'm going to buy some wood to, to make an altar. And Aaron said, man, I, I'll give it to you. Just take it. Here's, here's, uh, the, the ox yoke for the fire here. We'll, we'll chop up the, the threshing floor. I even give you the oxen all for free. And David says to him, I refuse to give God a sacrifice of praise that cost me nothing. I refuse to give God praise that doesn't cost me anything. David's words here express a great spiritual truth. 
the real value of our gifts and service to God, as long as we are obeying him, is measured by the personal sacrifice and cost involved. Listen to this. Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing. Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing. If we're going to be a people who exalt the Lord in our lifestyle, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you something to live up to this E saying, I'm going to exalt Christ in everything that I do. It is going to cost you something. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Not coming in here and singing a song while everybody around you is singing that same song. That's not so great of a sacrifice. But to offer your body as a living sacrifice, you said you do that, then this is your true and proper worship. It costs something to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. It's going to cost you everything. How much more can we exalt Christ in our lifestyle if every day we woke up and said, God, everything I have is yours. God, my money, my time, my family, everything I have, God, is yours. That is how you exalt God in your lifestyle. God, even if it means laying down my own life, if it means laying my own life down, God, though you slay me, yet I'm going to trust you. To live as Christ, but to die as gain. A lifestyle that exalts Christ says, Lord, not only in the good times, but in the bad times, I'm going to praise you. God, not only when everything is going right, will you see me in here with my hands lifted up and I'm doing my little praise dance. What's that? Uh, we bring the sacrifice of praise. You know, you do the hand motions. Don't play. You know, you do. I know you remember that. And we offer up to you. Do the sacrifice. There you go. I see some hands. Thank you for that hand back there. I see that hand. <laughs> but not only in the good times will you see me in here praising and acting like everything's okay, but when my world is falling apart, I'm going to be in here praising. I'm going to be in here thanking God for everything that I still have. Even if I lose everything, I'm still going to be praising God. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says this, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share it with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. Offering God a sacrifice of praise. Determine in your heart that if you're going to exalt Christ in everything you do, determine that you won't give him a sacrifice of praise that costs you nothing. A sacrifice of praise that costs you nothing. I, last Sunday... After service, I usually walk this way and just make sure we have sound and stuff out in the great hall for people who have to step out. And I saw Brother Gene Hampton sitting over in the corner, and I walked up to him and shook his hand and, and talked to him for a minute. And he told me, he said, you know, Neil, he said, I, I've been having some really severe pain lately in my body, and it keeps me up at night. And he said, but in the night when I wake up with pain in my body, he said, these songs will come to me. He said, I was laying in my bed the other night and I woke up because I just had pain all over my body. And he said, the song came to my mind on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of, of suffering and shame. How I love that old cross where the dearest and best of a world of lost sinners was slain. 
I'm telling you, friend, when you can wake up in the middle of the night and have pain all over your body and you begin to just sing a song to the Lord, I'm telling you that, my friend, is a sacrifice of praise. That, my friend, is somebody that exalts Christ in everything they do through their pain, through their suffering. He's saying, I'm going to sing. I just wake up in the night and these songs come to me. That is a sacrifice of praise. We must exalt Christ in everything we do. Now, save the best one for last. So we exalt Christ in our worship. We exalt Christ in our lifestyle. And lastly, we exalt Christ in our giving. Pastor, basically, I should have just let you preach that a while ago and, and said amen after he got done talking about giving. But we exalt Christ in our giving. And almost, and I have this in my notes, and he did it so beautifully today. Almost every Sunday that we're here, Pastor, after worship, gets up and he says, now we're going to continue in our worship by giving our tithes and our offerings. Continue in our worship. Anytime that you start talking about money in church, I'm telling you, the man said it all today. People get, you either get really excited or you get really uncomfortable. You start talking about money. I can watch. I watch people, how they get uncomfortable. I remember there used to be a guy, every time pastor would start talking about money, he'd get up and walk out. Every time. And people get really uncomfortable about this subject because money is the hardest thing, I believe, to trust God with. I believe that money is one of the toughest things to trust God with. Well, here, let's look at some scriptures real quick to, to back up tithing. Not only tithing, but just giving in general. Real quick, 2 Corinthians says, Remember this, whoever, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful, a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Deuteronomy 16, 17, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Luke 6, 8, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap for what the me- for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then the obvious one, Malachi three ten. Uh, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that there won't even be room enough to store it. Now, I just want to take a few moments and, and focus on this very last scripture right here. Instead of talking about all the reasons that you should give, let's talk about what happens when you do give. We could go through the Bible and say, it says it. I don't know how you can get more plain than the Bible saying give. I don't, I don't get how you can get any more plain than that. But let's look at what happens when we do give. The promises of God you are almost all the time conditional. Have you ever noticed that? The promises of God are conditional. There's always a, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you will do this, I will do that. It's kind of like uh, everybody knows this scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, you do that stuff, then I will heal your land. If you will do what I've told you to do, then I will do what I promised you I would do. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He, he says that and he says, test me in this. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me. Test me in this. Test me in this and see if you don't give to me. If you don't, if, if you give to me, watch what I will do. W- w- look what he says. He says, I will pour you out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. But I love what it says before that. I will throw open the windows, the floodgates of heaven. 
Throw open the floodgates of heaven. When you exalt Christ in your worship, your lifestyle in giving, it releases the hand of God to be a channel of blessing to you. It releases the hand of God to be a channel of blessing to you. And I believe that if we as a church put these principles into practice, I believe that there will be an open heaven above this church. An open heaven. The floodgates of heaven will be open in this church. Why? Because everything we have, we're given to him. Everything that we have, we're given to him. You cannot, you cannot give God your worship. You cannot give God a godly lifestyle without giving him your money. I'm telling you, friend, if you won't give God your money, you won't give him anything else. If you won't trust him with your money, it's going to be hard for you to trust him with anything else. Pastor said it a while ago. The funny thing is, it's not yours anyway. It's what God has given you. And when God sees that you are willing to say, God, I realize when you give, when you tithe and you give above your tithe, what you're saying is, God, I understand that this is not mine. I'm just giving you back what's already yours. And with that kind of attitude is what God will bless. And that is the kind of attitude, that is the kind of church that if we are givers, not only of our time or of our money, but of our time. I believe that tithing, you can, you, of course, you need to tithe with your first fruits, which is money. But I'm telling you, I believe just, just as much as you give your money, you should also give your time to the church. There's so many things around this church that you could be involved in that you could come and spend your time giving your time to the Lord. Test him. Test him in this. I'm telling you personally, personally, I will tell you there is no greater gift than giving. And I, when we went through that series, I think it was um, about a year ago that we did the Blessed Life series with Robert Morris where we watched the videos. And it, I, I felt God impressed upon me. I've always paid my tithe. My mom, uh, growing up, when I would get a birthday gift of $20, she said, you are not going to spend that until you pay your tithe. And so I learned from an early age that the first thing I do when I get paid or when my, my wife gets paid, the first thing I do is I write my tithe check. And I say, thank you, God, for blessing me. Thank you, God, that I have another week that I can pay my bills, that I can, uh, I can afford to live. Thank you, God. Every time I do that, when I seal that envelope, I thank God for what he has given me and what he's blessed me with. And, friend, let me tell you something. I have never been without. I have never in my life been without. I remember when I was traveling as an evangelist, I left home, I left mom and dad, and I went to Little Rock, not even having a first service booked. I just knew God was telling me to go, and I was faithful with my tithe. And I'm telling you, I had people walk up to me and literally give me the exact amount of what my rent was. I've had people come up and give me the exact amount of a bill that was due. Why? Because I was faithful with my tithe, and God was faithful to me to see that I didn't go without. I'm telling you, test him in this and see if he isn't faithful. Test him in this and see if he doesn't do exactly what he said he's going to do. Open up the windows of heaven above your life and pour out a blessing. Why in the world would you not want that? Why in the world would you not give? And God not only honored that in my tithe, but when we went through that blessed life series, God started impressing upon me at random times to give people money. Random. And there, I'm telling you, there is no greater joy than doing that. The first time I ever did it, I almost wept like a baby. The first time I ever did that, I, was, I went to Subway off Sunset in Springdale. And I walked in there. It was pretty late at night, and I was really hungry. Had to go get a $5 foot long. Hello. <laughs> and 
I walked in there, and this guy that was working behind the counter, just he looked rough. Man, just you could tell he had a rough life. He made my sandwich, and the whole time, the whole time we were sitting there, I was looking at him. I was like, I, I just felt something for him. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, I want you to give him $50. I, I was like, God, I don't, I don't carry cash, God. You know that. And, uh, and so it was so strong. I left, and I was like, that, there's no way that could have been the Lord. I don't even have $50. And on the way home, it was like, it was like I couldn't do anything else but think about giving that guy money. So I pulled into this ATM. I got out $50, and I went back. And I handed it to him. I just, I waited on this customer to leave because I didn't want to, it was going to be awkward either way. Um, but I didn't want this other guy standing there like looking at me and I don't have anything to give him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I waited for this guy to leave and, and I walked up to him and I just, I slid it across the table and I said, man, I can't explain this. And I said, this is, this is really weird, but, um, God told me to give you this money and he, and I, I moved my hand and it was just, it was $50. And he looked at that and I, I will never forget this as long as I live. He took his hat off and tears just began to stream down his face. And he said, man, he said that, that is almost the exact amount of what I'm short. I can't remember what some kind of bill that he had to pay. And I slid that across the table and he, I would never, he took his hat off and he clenched it over his heart and just looked at it. And I said, man, God told me to give you that. And I said, I just want you to know God loves you. God knows where you're at. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. And I watched this man just break down in subway for $50. And ever since then, I have been and I try to be very sensitive to God speaking to me to do these things. And I do it randomly. Just to, and I don't, I'm not telling you the story so you think I'm some kind of great person. I'm telling you this to open your eyes to what happens when you give. There is no better blessing than to give to somebody like that, especially when it's just random. Dude, here's $50. God loves you. And to break a man down right there in the subway. Can I get a free sandwich, though? I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> Help us, Lord. The, I was at Walmart one time during the holidays. We were buying groceries, and I looked back behind me, and there was this older couple, and they both had, like, everything they had on had American flags on it, just proud to be an American. And I, I support that. I, I love America. And, and I looked at what they had, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to buy their groceries. I want you to buy what they have in their hands. I want you to buy it for them. And so I, I was looking over at them, and I was like, man, I tried to kind of, count up in my, they didn't have a whole lot of stuff, had like some light bulbs and some fruit roll-ups or something. And, uh, (laughs) I would remember that. That's what I'd remember. Light bulbs and fruit roll-ups. And, and I remember I tried to kind of tab up in my head how much I thought that was. And, and right as I felt like, because there's no way I was going to be like, Hey, go ahead and slide your stuff over here. I'm gonna pay for it. Odds are they probably wouldn't let me do that. But uh, as I was ringing up, I was like, how am I going to do this, Lord? Because I, I know you're telling me to do it, and I'm going to do it. And right as I said that, the thing on the, the, the little screen there said, do you want extra cash? And I was like, yep. And so I got some extra cash, and as we were leaving, I just said, hey, I want you to I want to pay for your, your stuff you got here. And I just handed them cash and walked away. And I'm telling you, it it is the best feeling to do that for somebody. It blesses me to be able to bless people. Not because I'm some rich person and I have just money to give away, but you know what? It ain't mine. 
that money is not mine, and I would be glad to give it away if that means that God is going to bless me. I don't do it for blessing. I do it because I want to bless other people, but in turn, God blesses me. That's how our God works. Worship is not about us, but when we do it, God blesses us. Our money is not, a, it's not ours to keep, but when we give it, God blesses us. I'm telling you, there is a principle to this that if you live by, there will be an open heaven above your life. And if we live by this principle as a church that we exalt Christ in our worship, that every time we come in here, you don't have to wait till we're on the third song and it feels just right for you to lift your hands, but you prepare yourself to be able to worship God when you get here, that you wake up on a Sunday morning and there's just a praise in your heart that you can't wait to get around your brothers and your sisters so that we can all lift our voices, that we can lift our hands, we can dance, we can shout before the Lord, but when we leave here, all of our lifestyles exemplify that we exalt Christ not only when we're here, but when we're out there among our friends. Not only will our lifestyle show up, but our our checkbooks will show that we exalt Christ in everything that we do. I'm telling you, there is something about doing what God tells us to do. There's something about obeying God. Sometimes it's almost too simple that if we just obey him, we watch what he'll do. He'll bless us every time. I don't want to just exalt Christ in my worship and live a lifestyle. I want my giving to reflect that I exalt Christ in everything, worship, lifestyle, money, time, possessions, everything I have, God, I give it to you. I want to end with this illustration. If my, if my two helpers would come, I'm about to wrap this up. Do y'all hear that squeak? Do you hear the squeak in the stage every time I step? I'm getting self-conscious about it up here. <laughs> Kobe's laughing at me. I want to end with this illustration today, and it I think it will will put such a uh, a great example and something you can remember this week as you go throughout your week. There in everybody's life, we can all look at our lives. In my life, I'm up here talking about giving and being blessed, but I still have problems. I have issues, I have things in my life that that don't always go the way that I want them to. I have things in my life that I wish I could change. I have things in my life that I'm not proud of. There are things and issues and everybody has them in their life. You look around our world, think about the little girl in in Springfield a couple weeks ago that was kidnapped and murdered. There was a kid that lived not too far from where I grew up. Little boy, seven or eight years old, was messing around with a gun and shot himself and killed himself. Everywhere you look, there's problems. Everywhere you look, people have issues. And the more that you look at these problems and you focus on these problems in your life, some of you might have marital problems. Some of you might have financial problems. You might be here today. You're on the verge of divorce if God doesn't do something in your life. You're on the verge of bankruptcy if God doesn't do something in your life. Whatever your problem is in this place, the the more you focus on that problem, the bigger it becomes in your life. Would you agree with that? The more you spend time worrying about your problems, the bigger they are in your life. Whatever they are, 
However small they might look to other people, the more that you focus on them, the bigger they get in your life. But I'm telling you, when you live a life that you exalt Christ in your worship, you exalt him in your lifestyle, you exalt him in in your giving, and you begin to exalt him. When you exalt him, what you do is you magnify him. You know what the word magnify means? It means to make something bigger, like putting a magnifying glass up to it. And I'm telling you, when you will exalt Christ over your problems, when you will exalt Christ over over everything else that's going wrong in your life, when you exalt Christ in your giving, you begin to magnify him. And the bigger he becomes in your life, the closer you get to him, the closer you get to God, and the more that you begin to magnify him, when you turn around and look at your problems, they're a lot smaller than the big God that you have magnified and exalted in your life. I'm telling you, test him. Test him in these things. Test him in your giving. See the next time that we come in this place that we lift up the name of Jesus and we exalt him in our worship. See if he doesn't come down and touch this place and miracles happen. People are healed. People are saved. People are delivered. Tell me that you don't trust him when you walk out of this place and live a lifestyle that is holy and pleasing to God and watch what he will do in your life. You walk out of this place and begin to give freely and joyously and tell me that the windows of heaven don't become open over your life. It'll do it. He said he will. Not my words or his. Would you stand with me this morning?